So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil. And there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favours what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labour under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning, nor knowledge nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favour to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, keep your Bibles handy. It's, it's a pretty tricky passage. Uh, it's a pretty dark passage, um, but we're going to work our way through it. And as Karina mentioned in the kids' talk, there is a hope here, uh, and we're going to find that as well. So it'd be good if you can follow along as we do that. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of death cafes. Um, it's not really a, a recent phenomenon. It's not quite as bad as it sounds. Uh, a death cafe is not somewhere you go to die. Um, that would be dark. Uh, you, you go to a death cafe to talk about death. Um, the, the thinking is, we, we know, we talk about death so little in our society, we, we avoid it like the plague, ironically. Um, <laughs> and so they thought, well, let's get together and open up this topic. You know, let's, let's make a space where we can discuss death and, you know, a place where you can come and ask your questions and, uh, you know, share some of your anxieties and it'll, it'll help us to get it out in the open. Uh, there was actually one in Alveston several years ago. Um, the purpose on their, on their website uh, that they, they, they say they're all about is their purpose is to increase awareness of death with a view to helping people make the most of their finite lives. To increase awareness of death with a view to helping people make the most of their finite lives. Um, there hasn't been any during the pandemic um, and I think perhaps we've got enough reminders of our finite lives at the moment. We don't actually need another one. Maybe, maybe that's the case. But the, the purpose is pretty good, isn't it? You know, let, let's be aware of life. Let's be aware of 
our finite lives and live in light of that. And actually, that's pretty close to the teacher's purpose here in Ecclesiastes. You know, the teacher would be kind of giving the thumbs up to that purpose. He, he wants us also to live really well. He, he wants us to understand, yes, our lives are finite, there is an end, but he wants us to live fruitfully even in the light of that end. Now, the teacher's solution is deeper, though. So he doesn't want us just to make the most out of our lives. He wants us to have joy in our lives and, and meaning in our lives. He wants us to delight in life, even though death is certainly coming. See, his goal is higher and his, his goal is better. And we're going to journey with him this morning to discover how he gets there, to joy even in the face of death. Now the teacher kicks off with a really confident assertion uh, concerning the righteous, which on the face of it, it kind of seems to negate where he's going. Um, look, at, look at verse 1. So I reflected on the, all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. Um, it, it seems like a confident start to a passage about death, doesn't it? The righteous, the wise, they're in God's hands, you know, they're safe. He's keeping them. Therefore, we'd assume they don't have anything to worry about. Well, actually, there is uncertainty still, isn't there? They're in God's hands, but whether love or hate, whether good or bad is coming their way, no one knows. And actually, the teacher says, that's kind of the issue. Even the righteous, even you know, the best people in this world... They don't know what's ahead of them. And he opens that up. Look at verse 2. Because no one does, in fact. Verse 2. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who don't. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. See, here's the bind the teacher says. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. The same event, that is death, is coming to all of you. If you're in the righteous camp or the wicked camp, if you're the good or evil, if you're holy or unholy, religious or unreligious, you are all ending in the same place. All die. That's the frustration here. That's the, that's the uncertainty. And if you dwell on that... The teacher says it's going to drive you crazy. <laughs> Look what he says in verse 3. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil. And there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward they join the dead. Um, when, when the teacher says this is evil, what he's saying is this, is this is broken. This is the world not working as it's supposed to be. This is a source of immense frustration for us. The same destiny comes to everyone, no matter who they are. How ridiculous. What happens if you reflect on it? Here's how the message translates the second half of that verse. Is it any wonder that so many people are obsessed with evil? Is it any wonder that people go crazy right and left? You know, if you, if you dwell on that fact that it just doesn't matter who you are, it's going to drive you mad. You, mean, you, you could be the best person who's ever lived. You know, Mother Teresa, move aside, you are far better and yet you will die in the same way as the sinner down the street. 
You know, we, we say it, don't we? Death is the great equaliser, and it's true. <laughs> we all die. And the teacher says, it's no use pretending that living is that much better. That's grim. It's no use pretending that living is much better. Look at verse 4. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Now we look at verse 4 and we think, you know, we like dogs, so that sounds great. Yeah, live dog, deadline, I know which I'd choose. But you've got to understand, in the teacher's day, dogs were dirty. You know, you didn't have a pet dog. That'd be like having a pet rat. Now, I understand people do that, and that's weird. But, but that's, that's kind of the point here. Dogs are dirty. Dogs are outcast. They're horrible. It's not a good thing. Now, I know there's an exclamation mark at the end of that verse. It doesn't belong there. Because it's not a good thing that the teacher's saying. This is a bleak reflection on life. Life sucks. Even if you're alive, you're a rat. You're shadowed by death. You are haunted by the inevitable. I saw a quote this week um, from someone in a palliative care ward. Uh, someone someone uh, volunteering there asked a, a woman who was in the home. Uh, she said, what is it like to know that you're dying? And the woman responded, what's it like pretending that you aren't? That's pretty dark, isn't it? But that's, that's what the teacher's saying. Why pretend? You and I, we are meat bags on the way to a grave. <laughs> that's, that's what we are. We're all along the path of death. Some of us are closer than others. But we are all dying. All of us. And you cannot avoid it, no matter who you are. doesn't matter who you are in this life. You are about to die at some point. And neither does it matter what you've done or what you can do. Now, the teacher doubles down at the end of the passage. He revisits his theme. Uh, look with me at verses 11 and 12. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favour to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly on them. Time and chance come to all of us. The quick don't win, the strong aren't victorious, the smart don't get it all. All of us, regardless of what we get, can do, will be caught up in death's cruel snares. It will come abruptly, unexpected, unlooked for, but inevitable. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, death will catch up to you. Now we try to ignore that. Uh, we try to, to gloss over it. But all of our efforts to do that will fail. We are conscious of this. Um, years ago, Melinda gave me a, a birthday card for my birthday, obviously. Um, and it, had, it, was, you know, it was the biggest, brightest yellow card with you know, the, the be happy smile on the, face, uh, on the front. It was, it was the loudest looking card you've ever seen. And it was pretty loud when you opened it as well um, because it was one of those singing cards. I don't know if you've ever got one of those. I dropped it. It gave me such a fright. <laughs> 
Um, but it's sung, don't worry, be happy. You know, there you go. That was lovely, wasn't it? It's a really nice moment. Um, <laughs> anyway, the card made me smile. It, it, was, it was a pleasant card. But do you know what was even funnier? Was how that card aged. I don't know if you've ever had one of these cards, but gradually the batteries wear down. And the very chipper, don't worry, became a very morbid, don't worry. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're going to just, like I had this on my desk and I would just open it for a laugh at the start of every day. Because it, it was hilarious, but, but how fitting, how depressing <laughs> this card became. But, but that's how this slogan works, isn't it? Don't worry, be happy. It sounds good at first, but it starts to grate because it doesn't work. It sounds so good at first, but, but doesn't it just start to jar with what we experience of life? I mean, wh who can say that? You know, when you're, you're in the oncology ward, hooked up to the chemo. Who can say that in the doctor's room when that scan comes back with something that shouldn't be there? Who can say that at the graveside? We cannot gloss over this truth. We try it so hard, but we cannot gloss over it. We will all die. The fruit of our sin, the fruit of our rejection of God is death. Whether you sin lots, whether you sin less, we are all sinners at heart and destined to the same place. The good, the bad, the ugly, we will all die. No matter who you are, no matter what you achieve in life, you will not avoid this. You will be frustrated by death. I read an article this week about a, um, uh, a woman, uh, late 20s, you know, healthy to the point of being obsessive, you know, exercise regularly, you know, was able to compete in, in all sorts of events, obsessive about diet, so conscious of health. Uh, they were planning a family, she had to go and get some blood tests. They came back with stage four bowel cancer. It was in her liver as well. What? How unfair. Now, this, this person has looked after their body fastidiously. Of anyone, her chances should have been almost nil. And yet that's life, isn't it? That's the frustration the teacher's pressing. And we are, we are haunted by death and by this, this cruel snare that, that falls upon us at any moment. You know, what a, what a world we live in. Runners get lung cancer and smokers live to 100 you know, kids have heart attacks and Macca's addicts live for decades. What is this world? You know, a friend with, with young kids, uh, so much potential, is suddenly diagnosed with cancer and a year later dies. Another friend who's just had so many health changes, you know, been in hospital, you know, more than the next 10 people put together, just keeps getting these diagnoses that send her back. That is not fair. Doesn't make sense, does it? And yet that's life. Time and chance happen to us all. The same destiny comes to all. You cannot cheat death, nor life's cruelty. And as the teacher says, if you think too deeply on it, if you dwell too long here, it will drive you insane. Or as the teacher suggests, it will drive you to joy. 
<laughs> that seems a bit out of the blue, doesn't it? How, how could that be possible? But it's there, isn't it? You might have heard it when Lisa was reading. Look again at verse 7. Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. Just, I'm going to pause there. There's only one meaningless in that verse. It's that first one. Um, if you've been with us through the series, you'll remember it's the word havel. Tricky word to, do, uh, to translate. In this context, read fleeting. Not meaningless, but fleeting. That, that fits the context better. So, enjoy life with your, wife, with your wife, whom you love, all these days of this fleeting life that God has given you under the sun. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labour under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you're going, there is neither working nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. There is, though, joy, the teacher says. There is joy in this life. There are things to be enjoyed. Food and drink and, and life itself and relationships and work, even in a life that is fleeting, even in a life that passes, even though you're going to go to the grave. There's joy. <laughs> There's delight to be had. How is that possible? Well, it hinges on that key phrase there in verse 7. For God has already approved what you do. That's the key here. God has already approved. That's, that's what this all hinges on. Uh, when I was in year seven, um, we had a film crew come down from the mainland, uh, either from the ABC or from the Department of Ed. I, I can't remember where from. Uh, and they travelled to Tassie to film our class, our science class. I don't know why, maybe for some study or something or other, I don't, I don't care. Um, anyway, they came down to film us. And so our, our teacher, our science teacher, planned a very simple lesson, um, a very simple prac. All we had to do was we had test tubes with different liquids in them. We had to mix them. It's nothing dangerous. <laughs> we just had to mix them. And we had to write down what happened. You know, it was pretty foolproof, even for year seven. Now, honestly, look... We got the spiel from the teacher, we got the spiel from senior staff, you know, be on your best behaviour. And we were on our best behaviour, like we tried. We tried really, really hard. And it was a disaster. <laughs> we, we were so nervous as a class, so, so aware of being on camera and being filmed. Unusual thing back then, no camera phones back then. We were so aware of it that we just kept making mistakes, you know. T drop test tubes, stuff all over the floor, broken glass everywhere, gas taps lit on. We weren't even using the gas taps, and yet they were on fire. Like there was stuff, every it was chaos. You you couldn't have made more chaos if you tried to make chaos. We stuffed everything up, <laughs> and it was all because we were being watched, and we were aware of being watched. It, it just it just messed us up. We couldn't act properly. And that's actually our wrestling life, isn't it? That's what robs us of being able to live well. We are so conscious of life. You, you might not think about death on a regular basis, but we do think about how fleeting life is, how fleeting our youth is, how fleeting our health is, how fleeting our opportunities are. We're so conscious of, of living and have to, uh, you know, the pressure of living well. 
You know, I, want, I, I so want to do the right thing. I so want to make the most of the time we have. All, all these messages we get, live life to the fullest. You know, do all of this. We, we're conscious of that. We want to do that. We, we feel the pressure of that. I know we ought, ought to own a house by now. You know, that's the, that's, the, that's the Australian dream. You know, we should study more and make the most of what we've got. We should apply for that better job and take that opportunity that's over there. We, we, even, we do even worse. We set our own arbitrary standards, don't we? Yeah, our, our benchmarks. You know, I need to be earning this by this age in order to set my family up for this life. Um, we must give our kids these experiences so that they can have these opportunities. We, we're slaves to this. We've got to work now and save like crazy so we can have the future that we want. We're, all these things we do to ourselves. Life is short. Life is fleeting. And we know it. And we become slaves to it. We, we try to try and try to... to to, to get the most out of it, to wring life dry. We pressure ourselves, we compare ourselves to each other, we, we weigh ourselves by our achievements, by what we've done in this life, and it kills us. All we get is stressed and depressed and joyless. And the teacher says, stop. Stop. Because God already approves you. Because God already approves of you. There's no need to strive. There's no need to chase, to reach, to prove, to achieve. Because God already approves you. But how? On what basis does God approve of us? Well, remember who the teacher is. The teacher is an Israelite. He's writing to Israelites. And he's writing within that whole system of life, of God's people. Now, God had chosen Israel to be his people. He'd set them apart as his people. And he'd given them this whole system of life to help them live as his people, to make that, system, to make that relationship work. And so they knew. They knew that if ever in their life, if they, they wandered from him, if they disobeyed him, that... He had given them this system, this sacrificial system, which they could go through and which would cover what they've done and which would restore them again. So they could be confident of that. They could see that. They could do that. And that's great for them. But, but what about us? What, what good is that for us? Well, actually, though the teacher couldn't yet have known it, God's done far better. Now we know God's sent Jesus, uh, and you may remember that this is what God said of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. This is my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now well pleased is approved, it's the same root word here, actually it's above that, it's, it's well approved. I am very satisfied with you. Um, Jesus had God's approval in ways far above our ways, as God's own beloved precious special son and yet you remember what happened to jesus jesus had god's approval and yet jesus died on the cross and and not by an accident you, you remember what he prayed as he faced that that fate in the garden he prayed yet not my will but yours be done so jesus god's well-approved son with whom he was very pleased in god's will died why well, here's why. 
we go to Hebrews chapter 9, that the writer's just spoken of the Old Testament sacrifices of all these bulls and goats that were killed for the sake of the people. But then he says, what about Jesus? How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death? See, there's the key, isn't it? Jesus, the one with whom God was well pleased, willingly gave himself up to God as a sacrifice for you and me, for us, to cleanse us, to wipe our slates clean, to free us, even from death itself. Uh, the Bible talks about this um, and it uses the terms of, of a great exchange. It, it talks about Jesus and his well-pleasedness before God being transferred onto us, into our account, and our acts leading to, to death, that is sin, being transferred onto him. And so he bore that and we get this. And the consequence is when God looks at you and I, when God looks at anyone who believes in Jesus, what he sees is Jesus' perfect life credited to our account. When he looks at us, he sees him, well-approved, well-pleased, perfect and blameless and spotless. See, what the teacher writes here is true of us. If you are in Jesus, then God is pleased with you. You stand approved before him utterly, anyone who believes. And that's not just now, it's not just temporary, it's, it's a forever thing even to life after death, because Jesus guaranteed that life in his resurrection. If you trust in Jesus, that is how God sees you, with utter, unwavering approval. Absolute. People might not. We are not nearly as forgiving or as good as God is. But that is how you see, he sees you. Not because of anything you've ever done. Approved. Nothing you ever uh, will do will jeopardise it. You are approved. God has signed you off, so to speak. Not because of you, but because of what Jesus has transferred to your account. He is well pleased with you. And therefore, you are freed to live. There is no weight of expectation. There is no weight of... There's no pressure. There is no criteria you have to tick on you are freed to live we have that stupid saying you know dance like no one's watching um but but that's that's how we can live live freely because no one is watching no one's weighing you no one's judging you god's already approved of you what what more could you possibly need to live now don't don't get this wrong this is not just um eat and drink for tomorrow we die that that's 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 grim that's that's hopeless. This is eat and drink and live because God loves you and wants you to delight in these things that he has graciously given you. I mean, you know, you know the feeling when, you know, say you're at school uh, and the, the teacher pulls you to the side and says, that's some really nice work you've been doing. I'm really impressed with the way you've been applying yourself. Or, you know, you're at work and the boss calls you into the office and he says, I'm really thankful for the way you've been studying. I don't know if that happens in family dynamic here, but anyway... Um, or, you, you know, your parent, you, you know, your parent calls you aside and says, I'm being really thankful for how you've been, you know, being obedient and listening well. That, it makes you feel something, doesn't it? It makes you feel glad for that approval. Well, how much more with God? 
His approval of you is perfect. It is absolute. You know, you, you walk away from those encounters when someone speaks of their approval of you and you, you have a spring in your step, you feel good. Well, have that spring in your step because God approves you. And live. Have a feast, open the wine, kiss your wife. <laughs> Put on nice clothes. Go and smile at work. You are not bound by others' approval. You are not a slave to what they think. You don't have to fulfill your own stupid criteria you put on life. You don't have to fight to carve out a future for yourself before you die because God's approved of you. So love the life he gives. Don't fear death. He's given an even better life beyond that too. Um, Martin Luther, the, the reformer, he allegedly said, if I knew that tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. That's, that's what the teacher's inviting us to live like, isn't he? Don't, don't worry about what might be. Don't worry about what you have or haven't done or what you will or won't do. Just live. Make the most of what you've got. Delight in it. Enjoy it. Don't be consumed by what may be, but be confident in God's approval of you. Just, just look at your life. Look at the things that God has given you and be profoundly thankful. Whatever you find to do for yourself, do it. And do it with joy. Embrace it. Do it well. For God, yes. Within his will, yes. But beyond that, with absolute freedom. You have nothing to prove. So live. Be at peace. Don't stress. Don't worry about missed opportunities, about things you could have done or things you could have said. Just live. Whatever is before you, do it well. Once again, the teacher kind of gives a choice before us. He says, you, you can live with the specter of death hanging over you, haunting you, the meaningless of being bound by achievement and still subject to death at the end of it. You, you can live like that if you want. Or you can see who you are in Jesus. You can see what he has beautifully and wonderfully done for you. You can see the sheer freedom that you have in God and in his perfect approval of you. And you can live joyfully with delight. The choice is yours. Choose wisely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we are just so thankful, so blown away that in Jesus you don't see us as condemned sinners, but you see us as perfectly approved, absolutely forgiven, righteous as Jesus is righteous. Father, you know how we wrestle with the worries and concerns and frustrations of this life. We, we wrestle with its fleeting nature. We we wrestle with this feeling of pressure to perform. Father, please free us from this. Remind us and keep reminding us of your perfect approval of us. And so help us to live well. Not in fear, but in profound thankfulness for what you've given. And in deep joy and delight at the goodness of your gifts in the goodness of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.